0: It's the Sod Pod Brought to you by Grassland Agro
1: The
0: Sod Pod Hello, hello and welcome to the Sod Pod This is episode 14 I'm delighted to be joined by Lauren, Claire, and Johnny And we're going to discuss a few things that are going on Johnny, the first thing I think this worth a conversation, we're seeing the site sample reports coming back from the department. A lot in it, some very interesting figures too.
1: Definitely, Jim. So I suppose we've had a lot of farmers come on to us saying, you know, what exactly does this mean? So I'm just going to read out the table of contents, the site sample track of farm. So they used GPS tracking when they took these um, site samples. So this was as part of the national site sampling program that we've seen Two years ago now, uh, it's supposed to be in the process or in the works for another round. There was a few things that went on last year, so they, they skipped the year. Um, but there's a lot in it. So the table of contents is a side sampling track, so you can see exactly where the side sampler took, walked the field. Um, so in the W pattern, then there's the pH, Morgan's P and K results. So they're the ones that we know uh, traditionally. So the Morgan side sample, basically, Jim, maybe just to explain it briefly before we went into it, too much is designed for acidic soils, so it's specifically used in ireland to use a different method and a different lab test actually in the north even though we're all on the same island so um soil ph lime requirement that can vary uh, organic carbon is the next heading cation exchange capacity so that's one that we'll unpick a little bit a little bit complicated maybe um uh, but quite easy in reality, then we have the medic tree. So they're kind of the main headlines. So when you flick down through your report, if you if, if a farmer is listening to this, and maybe they have their report in front of them, first they'll see the size sample and track of the field. So they'll see the Ws across the field, Um you can see how good or bad the sample. What's our mood they were in? <laughs> we're actually going to do this ourselves, uh Jim. So we're going for the we're going for the M pattern instead of the W. <laughs> <laughs> We would and be upside down, no. yeah. Lauren Sandley's going to be monitoring those saucy.
2: <laughs> John, I don't think I don't cracking. think you'd be doing a W anyhow, it'd be more like a V. Yeah,
1: yeah. The path of least resistance normally for me, Lauren, especially if it was uh, hitty.
2: <laughs> or from yeah. one ditch straight across the field to another
3: ditch.
1: Yeah. Exactly what you shouldn't do, isn't it, Claire?
2: <laughs>
3: exactly, yeah. I could imagine a diagonal. <laughs>
1: yeah. For <laughs> yeah, where the, where maybe the where the electric fence was at its lowest point that I managed to to hop in. it was but listen, those days are behind me now I got the sack from doing the side sample. Um, but you'll have that information anyways on your report. The next one is the PH and Morgan's magnesium P and K. I suppose when you're looking at that, the PH is absolutely fundamental. It's really, really important. It's the foundation of soil fertility. The P is represented in the same format that we're used to, the potash. The one thing i say about this, guys, is just that maybe if this was taken outside of the normal side sampling windows, because it was a very big, very ambitious program, I suppose, that um, the results could maybe be interfered with due to uh, applications of slurry, fertilizer, uh, mineralization, things like this. So we just want to be conscious of that when we're comparing those to maybe our existing side sampling results. So whether you've got up or down, just compare them to the same window, that's very important when you're taking a side sap.
2: Yeah, exactly, John. And I think, I suppose, at the moment, we're seeing a lot of um, kind of mid-season drop-offs in pH. And I suppose that's kind of multifactorial. I suppose we have spread and slurry. We have plants that are growing. We have roots then that are um, the increase in hydrogen ions, which causes a, a reduction in pH. Um, so, yeah, no, it's just a really good point to, to keep an eye that we're reverting back to our original uh, soil samples and um, using data from
1: both. Yeah. And I suppose the pH, just to make it because it's easy for us because we're dealing with every day, but pH is the acidity of the soil. So a measure of the acidity it's actually the concentration of hydrogen ions in the soil, but we use it as a test for um, acidity. Then the phosphorus, I suppose, phosphorus' primary function, we talk about wanting to be an index 3 or 4, but what does phosphorus actually do for the plant? It's key for root development, root stimulation, and tillering and supplying energy to the plant. So it's a real spring nutrient. Potash, then, is often described as the engine island of the plant, so it moves all the nutrients and moisture around the plant And it's very, very important. So they're the kind of the main ones that we see on a standard size sample your pH, your P, and your K.
3: Yes, exactly, John. And I suppose they are the the fundamentals of the of cell fertility like when you look go and you look at the cell sample the very first um result you should go to is your ph so it's very important again as Lauren was mentioned that just throughout the season you could see that drop off in ph um, and just be conscious of uh, the timing of when you're looking at your cell sample and then again as you're mentioning the two main nutrients is your p and k that we test for and they are the first things you would go for when you're looking at your cell fertility in terms of how efficient your grass is going and going to grow and how well it's going to grow in terms of uptaking up nutrients with your roots and tiller and then maybe come possibly into droughts with your K and moving those nutrients around the plant there's no point in uptaking these nutrients if the plant doesn't have the ability to move around to the to the targeted areas and then again say coming out of the drought or going into a drought and um, being able to move that moisture and that um, water around the plant is very important so they are the first three things that you would look to um, in terms of soil fertility
1: no, definitely clear. And then like I suppose one thing that people sometimes get confused about is the 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 water pH and the buffer pH. So the buffer pH is basically that they they apply a fixed amount of buffer solution. So that would act to increase your your soil pH. And what they can do then is work out your lime requirement. So it's very important to work out your lime requirements as well. Sometimes maybe where you have a low water pH and no lime requirement, I would still recommend to spread lime. Maybe not in very significant quantities, but definitely spread lime. Other times, I suppose, when you have higher or more heavily textured soils uh, with a higher CEC, and we'll come on to that now later on, basically it takes a lot more lime. So if you take a real light soil versus a heavier soil, they both have the same pH. You can rise your your soil pH an awful lot quicker with two tons of lime, whereas it might take 10 tons of lime to rise your soil pH and the heavier side. So that's just a, a simple overview of it. I suppose maybe the next heading is soil organic matter. And this is one that's really coming into vogue at the moment, especially in relation to the to the emissions and, and, and offsetting those. And really, this is really important from a soil health point of view And it's something that's a real competitive advantage as well in Ireland because we generally have soils with high soil organic matter.
3: Yes, exactly, John. Um, I remember I was doing a trial as well on... On different soil types and there's someone over from America and they were laughing. I was saying, Oh, this is my low organic matter soil and they were laughing like that's not a low organic matter. Um that's five or six percent and they'll be used to two or three over there, um, constantly in tillage and constantly pulling off massive tons. So yeah, we actually are in a very in a big advantage with our organic matters because organic matter is kinda like the glue to the soil. It's going to be it's gonna hold the the energy for the bacteria it's going to it's going to release all those nutrients and provide plants throughout the season and um, allow nutrients to build up in the soil or allow the nutrients then to release back into the plant so very important.
2: Yeah absolutely and just for context I suppose typical range for uh, a mineral soil is between about 2 and 10 percent and for a peat soil the organic matter is about uh, greater than 20 percent so part of the the test results that we have the department they also talk about the organic matter levels and typical mineral soils in ireland uh range from about 2% to about 10% and then for uh peat soils that have a really really high organic matter they are a greater than 20% um organic matter levels so it's just uh a key kind of um figure to have in our heads and that we know What are the differences between um, each soil type in Ireland? And then I suppose um, alongside that, we we look at our organic carbon levels. So when we talk about our organic matter, we should be straight away talking about our organic carbon levels. So about 58% of our organic matter uh, is actually carbon based. There's a whole lot of talk about carbon sequestration and how can we improve on this? And our soils are acting as a massive carbon sink. The carbon is basically the amount of nutrients that are in the soil. So like what Claire was saying about our, our organic matter being like the glue in our soil, our carbon levels or our total carbon levels in the soil are the store of nutrients in the soil.
1: Yeah, you're right again, Lauren. I suppose one <clears> thing just to be conscious of is that um, I suppose what's very important is, especially going forward, is the peat layer on apartment maps. So for your soil sampling, if you have part of your farm that's within that catched area on the size map, you're assumed to be a peat side unless you prove otherwise. So if you go greater than the 20% organic matter, then you're uh in, in I suppose assumed to be uh index three for or as a peat side. But you have to do an organic matter test on that going forward. I suppose the other thing is that just with the with the peat soils going forward. I suppose there's a lot more talk about re-wetting of soils and manipulating water tables. And, and a lot of that is down to carbon emission. So the soils will release carbon, uh, peat soils that is. So they'll emit about 20 tonnes per hectare, whereas a mineral soil will sequester under permanent grassland in the region of half a tonne. So we talk a lot, a lot about sequestration, but if we have some peat soils, and they could potentially offset maybe some of that carbon that we're sequestering. Now, where, where it gets a little bit more nuanced is that there's new research there from Pat Tui, the man who managed to get David Carver through his PhD. They are looking at, because they were assuming, right, that every peat side in the country was drained. So when you drain the peat side, you start emitting a lot of carbon. But a lot of these have naturally very high water table and haven't been improved. And they're saying, hold on a sec now, lads, to the, the EPA and the National Inventory, You were saying over here that we had every peat side in the country was emitting 20 tonnes per hectare. But in reality, a lot of these haven't been improved or maybe farming practices have, I suppose, become more extensive on those farms. And maybe drains have closed in or aren't active. So they're saying that probably we're overestimating our CO2 emissions between is sixty and ninety percent. I'll have to clarify that, but I'd be confident enough to throw a boot at it, James, with that, <laughs> <think>. <laughs> as I usually am. But I'm open to correction. But I suppose there's a massive inflation, maybe, of the emissions from peat side. So that's a positive for Irish agriculture. But there's obviously more work, and prior and Pat Tui and Owen Fenton are working away on that. But I suppose it just ties in maybe to this department report in r- in relation to the, the side organic matter. And the carbon and the carbon I suppose is is made up, starren said of all the different nutrients and compounds, but it knits everything together it's like the it's like the Tony Kelly just brings the whole the whole team together not right dar
2: absolutely John I suppose <laughs> um when we talk about when we are talking about soil carbon and organic matter, the first thing that comes into my head and probably most farmers' heads would be how can we increase that or how can we influence that soil organic matter or soil carbon level can we improve on it um so just simple simple practices such as adding uh organic matter such as dung well broken down dung and a bit of slurry can really really help build those over time those organic matter levels and those soil carbon levels
1: yeah and keeping keeping permanent grassland in grass is probably the the quickest way to do it I suppose the next one on the list probably is the carbon to nitrogen ratio, Lord. and uh, this is, I suppose, important in that mineralization of nitrogen. So basically it's based on the total carbon versus the total nitrogen in the soil. So they've tested both of those. And when we have this mineralization process, we have this excretion of the carbon dioxide, uh, which is what we're getting penalized on. That's why there's a 2% in the MAC curve for you know, the liming of agricultural sites or or the overall profile of, of Irish mm-hmm. eggs emissions that we have that positive effect. But obviously we're displacing chemical nitrogen, so it's, it's very, very positive. But I suppose basically when you have that CO2 respiration, if you have a lower carbon to nitrogen ratio, that means that the same amount of respiration of carbon dioxide results in more units of nitrogen being released in a mineral form the lower you are, the higher you are, then the less efficient that process is.
2: Yeah, I suppose, John, just just to jump in there, in simple layman's terms, basically our carbon to nitrogen ratio is how accessible nitrogen in the soil is. So we want a lower carbon to nitrogen ratio, because if we have a higher carbon to nitrogen ratio, it basically means that our bacteria are going to have to work twice as hard to break down and release that nitrogen
1: definitely and especially from an agronomy point of view or we think about science i suppose mainly in in getting the nutrients out and into crops but there's other functions and other definitions of side help but i suppose this is one that you look at if your carbon nitrogen ratio is is a little bit higher i suppose with the current climate and nitrate and water quality i feel it's probably you can't just go and you know uh, spread pig slurry that has a high nitrogen content, and and even you're not going to make any significant inroads even with slurry. But what you can do is uh, you can start to maybe incorporate legumes, and they'll probably do the job for you. Claire.
3: Yes, exactly, John. So by incorporating legumes, uh, first of all, you're going to be helped to fix that nitrogen from the from the atmosphere, and um, so you're in, instead of having to apply chemical nitrogen the nitrogen is going to be fixed through the legumes in the legume plants such as your clovers and then also by supplying like you have you say if it was in a clover grass ward you're applying two different types of species of grass which is going to help soil health as well there's going to be different bacteria interacting with each other and keeping um the soil health just operating just a little bit more Efficiently also, and then if you're able to display some of the chemical nitrogen and help uh, fix that nitrogen, you might be, be beneficial and supplying nitrogen to the grass crop instead of having to code your chemical.
1: Yeah, and if you're looking at maybe carbon nitrogen and ratios that are quite high. The soil could start to be- is maybe becoming a little bit carbon limited and an application of slurry or something like that to feed carbon to the soil would be really, really helpful. I suppose the last one on the list is the cation exchange capacity. We kind of mentioned that. So that's usually linked to the texture of the soil. So the lower your cation exchange capacity, you probably have sandier, lighter soils. And the higher you have those heavier, more clay soils. There's pros and cons to this. So if if we take an example, maybe if you're you're going renting ground and it's really low in soil fertility, if the cation exchange capacity is low, you'll be able to build it quite quickly. Whereas if you are taking ground that's maybe low in soil fertility and it's it's heavier texture or higher CEC, it's going to be very hard to build, I suppose, is 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 the way to put it.
3: Yeah, exactly, John. I suppose when you say CEC, it actually means cation exchange capacity, which is the capacity of the soil to hold on to these exchangeable cations. And when we say cations, we be referring to the likes of magnesium or your potassiums or your calciums and your sodiums. And um, they'd be classified as maybe the major um cations in the soil. So it's the ability of the soil then to hold on to them and then um interact with your anions such as your nitrates or your sulfates, um which would be um your anions. So as you're saying it's all kind of soil dependent, your soil type is going to dictate that. So clay um a clay soil would typically dep- would have a higher CEC naturally. And then as you're saying, John, the sandier soils would typically have a lower CEC, so its ability to hold on to these is going to, to hold on to nutrients would be lower. But then, as you're saying, you build it rise faster. Similar with your pH, as you're saying you could um, increase that pH quicker, but then also on the back of that, it will drop off quicker. Yeah. No, Ned,
0: If I interject here, what? I'm hearing lots of very scientific, technical terms, and I'm just getting into the head of some farmers, right? We've got to a stage, I suppose, where the days of grabbing the side samples and firing them into the press and never looking at them again are over. You know, we need to do a lot more to maximize what we get out of the ground and reducing the inputs for environmental reasons. And everyone's on board for that. Very rare that you'll find a farmer that's not on board for that. But what they do need is a practical solution that they can do to address the scenarios out there. We're 20 minutes in. I think it's been a fantastic summary of what's going on, right? But now, what would we recommend the farmer really does when he looks at those samples? Like, I would be proposing that the first job that he should be doing after he's gone through his figures is getting access to someone to put these into a fertilizer plan and nutrient management plan and decide the way forward, right or wrong
2: right yeah no yes. absolutely <laughs> absolutely James because look there is there's a lot of information there and I know we're after going through uh, a lot of science based stuff and it can be kind of hard to get your head around it and interpret it but if you if you just throw them over in the corner like what you're saying that look to be honest happens still happens we're not going to get the most out of our, our, our soils we're not going to get the most production out of our graphs. so Maybe getting on to an agronomist or getting on to someone and look, we have loads of grass and dagger reps um on the road that that are very well um, trained and experienced in, in this kind of information. Um, and like even even just as simple as the, the cation exchange capacity, like that is a very tricky thing to get your head around. But it can be something as simple as, OK, if I have a very low cation exchange capacity, I'm talking about going with little and often.
0: But but can I interject there now, Lauren, sorry. You said something as simple as the cation exchange, and I'm like, Whoa, what is going on uh, here? Jim, I on, give we, me
1: layman terms. Yeah, yeah we we we've, <laughs> we've managed to manage to free up a bit of time in the side pub since we've taken on the, the listeners' feedback and, and stopped all hurling talk. <laughs> <laughs> listen i i took it hard i campaigned for the hurling talk but just the week that was in it i said listen i conceded see the defeat and um <laughs> so we we'll leave it off but um you're right i suppose the whole farmers can't be expected to be good at everything and fertilizer is getting so complicated now i think everyone needs a bit of a help with it because like sure we're chatting about it area jim we probably need to do another episode on the fertilizer register what that yeah, means yeah. for farmers you know so i would say get in touch with an agronomist like any of our team and we'll be able to walk you through it as part of the sustainability program there's another one that you missed jim and i know you're dying to ask about which is the medic tree test (laughs) 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 i was just about to get there (laughs) yeah oh no and that's on the report as well and basically i make that as simple as possible it's a stronger test if you think about it, it would say, it would think about in your language, Jim, if you went for a pint versus a small one. So when they're testing the, the Morgan sample, they're, they're pouring in pints on top of it. And when they're testing the Milik one, they're, they're pouring in Jaeger in on top of it. So that's kind of harder stuff. And that means that you get more phosphorus at the end of it, so a harder reagent. So it's a wider pool of phosphorus. So that means that phosphorus limits uh, could be changed. And they're about changing the index as well. So th- Dave Corbett, DC14, as he uh, said. <laughs> he hasn't been for a board in years, but uh, he still goes by that. and Would have done a good bit of work on that, and there seems to be an appetite for that. But to make this simple, what I would do is use the soil pH at the moment. Get your lime right. Get on to an agronomist, preferably a grass and agro-agronomist, and we'll bring you through it. We work with all the co-ops if, for the dairy farmers that are listening we're contactable through any of our social media, the list that we have on the website, Jim. But if we have a list of contact details, so you see that we have people working in defined geographies, get onto one of them and say, Jeepers, whoever it is, uh, Simon Delaney or Dylan Houdin or you name it, would you be, uh, mind coming out? And um, that's a service that we offer because we're kind of, we see that the way the fertiliser is going to be sold is, is, is changing and we're trying to be proactive to help farmers through these challenges because if like, we're so coming and fast, there's valuable information there. Uh, we've got it for free, but information even is worthless unless you do something with it, Jim. Oh, John right
2: just to add to that like we oh. our soil sustainability program as as part of that program we do a solvita test and we do um a grass fest test so that your grass vest is we've talked about it before but your visual evaluation of soil structure and our solvita is basically looking at the the biological the chemical and the physical aspects of soil so on a one-page summary we are looking into as much detail as we can of that specific field similar to, to the department pilot uh, program. And it's just, look, we're already doing it. And it's just a really, really good information to have and, and to use use the agronomists um, that are out there to help you with uh, something like this program.
0: I love the grass face. It's just so practical. It's so hands-on. I think it's such a visual aid. Get out there and any farmer can go and do it. You know, just get out there and dig that hole and you get to see what's going on. See what's happening beneath our feet, because... Um, there's so much when we look out sometimes we tend to measure a field of grass based on looking at green and looking at off takes but we can miss what's happening underneath as well and make those small little changes you know whether it's the soil conditioning route or whatever just to kind of manage out the ground and please god we get to see an increase in earthworm activity nature's plough because it does such a great job for us too
1: yeah you're right again Jim we were um we we're actually giving a speak on that. Uh, We've done the grass best for the, at the Walsh's Farm Walk there in Kill mm. And uh, great engagement and yes. uh, great excitement uh, when the bay came out. We've done it the week before in uh, McGuigan's farm. We've done a discussion group there with the uh, tip young farmers as well on Brennan Horns farm uh, as part of the Tier Lawn uh, discussion group. And there's a lot of, uh, I suppose, interest in it, and people are starting to realise that, you know, there's a lot more to be got out of the ground, and to make it simple, if we can get these things right, we can cut back and the bag for fertilizer, and that's the key message, I even heard Lauren on Farm Tech Talks with Adam Woods talking all about it, Jim Yeah, doing a great job Yeah, she was flying it Lauren, so, um,
0: I suppose, I think John said no hard and talk, but I think for the weekend that's in it, right I'd like to wish both Kilkenny and Limerick the best of luck May the best team win I'm privately thinking I'd love if both of them could lose, but I better not say that. Lauren is a, a Kilkenny lady at heart. And obviously, John is an adopted Kilkenny man as well, there as he moved from the banner. But, uh, made a best team. long have you in
1: Kilkenny?
0: Five years, yeah. yeah we'll ignore that. We'll, we'll move on swiftly. Yeah, no, I, I, I'll, I'll be cheering on for my neighbors as well, of course. Yeah, we'll do my we'll bring best. We two Absolutely.
1: Kilkenny
0: homelands. Yeah, well, her introductory goes fair enough, maybe the transfer road will have to be suggested, <laughs> but uh, we'll see oh. in the future. And clear, yeah. any final words? We go back to agriculture there just to finish it out.
3: I suppose that look at all these different soil reports whether it be from ourselves or from the department uh, I suppose is getting and talking to someone that you know an agronomist and putting it into simple man terms and just looking and starting with your pH your P's and K's and building from there and then maybe we can get down and dig the soil and look in and get a visual assessment and go from there for improving soil health
0: That's brilliant advice Claire. really appreciate that Mind yourselves out there Farm Smart Farm Safe Hey, thanks for listening to the sod pod we hope you enjoyed it to find out more head over to www.grasslandagro.ie, or check out our social channels facebook twitter instagram linkedin and youtube that's all for this episode see you next time